keep on kissing babies and hugging fat girls. Sell out full of suffering, succotash, son. It's me, Austin. Oh, son of a bitch. What? It's me, Austin. It was me all along, Austin. And your teeth look like two tight too, Billy. And you book a match with me, that's right, Killing. Look at me. I'm a total package. I will rip him apart. I'm pissed now. Where to, Stephanie? Marks with Dan St. Germain. Welcome everybody to Total and Marks. I am the man with the largest calves in the world, the king of sad style, sad style, the St. Germain event. No co-host this week, Ray couldn't do it, but I am so excited about our guest. He is essentially the Walter Cronkite of professional wrestling, Conrad Thompson. It's well, true. I don't know about that intro. I think I'm more like the Forrest Gump of wrestling. Man. I keep <laughs> popping up in all these important moments in history, and nobody quite knows why. Most of all, me. <laughs> I mean, I, no, man. You, I mean, like, I, I, everyone, everyone who listens to this podcast listens to something to wrestle. Um, I know I discovered it, and I've gotten, you know, like when I first heard it, somebody had said to me, like, "You've got to listen to this podcast," and. I was kind of like, oh, all right, you know, I'm really sick of wrestling podcasts. But then I just fell in love with it. I loved the, my favorite episodes, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a fanboy right now, are Vader, Sonny, the last one you just did on Girl Monsoon, Bob Holly, Mr. Perfect, the TNA stuff, Big Boss Man, and No Holds Barred. I just wanted to say that right out in the beginning. The No Holds Barred one, the, the whole fucking riff on Dookie is like one of the funniest things I've ever heard. Well, I appreciate you saying that, man. I'm pretty partial to the Sonny episode just because... I don't know. I can't believe a human being would write all of that down and then place it for the world to see. <laughs> yeah, has that been? I mean, that's one of the one of the questions that I have. Like, because now you know you you were basically running Starcast, and you're working with these. You know, it's one thing because you you know you work with Ric Flair, you work with Bruce Pritchard, you work with Eric Bischoff, but you're working with every single person that you kind of grew up being a fanboy with. Does it take the luster off a little bit once you have to deal business? Wise with these people? Uh, it takes the luster off a lot bit, my friend. It's, uh, Do you have any stories it, you can tell us? Uh, well, I mean, not really all that interesting. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's, uh, you want to assume, you know, there's that old phrase, right? Never meet your heroes. Right. But I wouldn't say it's necessarily that far. I mean, it's still really cool, but at the same time, it is a little frustrating because you want your heroes to be your heroes. And then you realize, ah, he's just a dude like me. You know, yeah. he just, he had a different job. And, and that that was a, a bit of an adjustment, and you know it becomes less about the uh, the fun what if fanboy scenarios, and more about the reality of okay, we've got to sell this many tickets, and we need you know this guy to get picked up at the airport at that time. And speaking blah, of blah, which, blah. when I when I came for Starcast, I, uh, I I guess I was on a van, and uh, they had they had I, I think my flight had come in like a little later. So I called the the woman who was driving, who's awesome. I forget what her name was now, but she was great. And uh, I was like, hey, can you hold there? And then I just hear from the back, we're leaving. And it was Scott Hall. <laughs> it was a pissed off Scott Hall. And I was like, oh, well, this is a hell of a way to start a weekend. I already feel like I'm in a fucking shoot interview. Yeah, I mean, that was uh, my first time doing that. And I've learned a lot of lessons about 
who to co-mingle and who not to co-mingle. So yeah. we're going to try to do a little better for StarCast 2. Who was a surprisingly great hang like when you met uh, him? You know, I'll tell you, I, I, I guess I just believed what I saw on TV. But I just assumed Tully Blanchard would be the world's biggest asshole because that's certainly the way he came off TV. And but in real life, he just could not be a nicer guy. I mean, super gracious, uh, uh, one of the heroes of StarCast where – Maybe something wasn't ideal or perfect because we logistically just hadn't planned for the mass of humanity that would descend upon us that weekend. That's very, uh, I mean, it's very kind to describe the people there as humanity, but. Well, I'm just saying, you know, I think when I first put tickets on sale, no kidding, I thought, man, if I could get 600 people to this thing, what a home run that would be. And can you imagine if I could ever get 800? And we sold like 11,000 tickets. So the idea that I had that many people, you know, well past any sort of uh, common sense, uh, you know, and, and, and everyone survived and no one died that I know of. I have never seen more uh, neck beards and juggalettes in the same location. It yeah, was... well, I'm happy to report there will not be nearly as many juggalos at StarCast 2 because uh, the Insane Clown Bossy are part of the all-out list. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? Well, they just showed up really, really late, and then there was a bunch of other drama, and it's just, uh, you know, they'll stick to music, and I'll stick to wrestling conventions. Yeah, and yeah. never tell the shoe cross again. There's have, probably a reason you don't see them at a lot of other wrestling shows. Have you seen, uh, you probably have more than you can't say, but have you seen the documentary American Juggalo? It's fucking, I have. Oh, it's so crazy. I love that documentary. You're just like this is like this is like uh, Trailer Park Woodstock. Well, it's uh, you know here's the thing. I, I grew up on ICP, and that they really came, you know, they became popular at least in my little circle about 1997 with the Great Malenko album, and I thought that at the time was awesome. And then it's one of those deals where I just felt like one day. I was like, hey, man, whatever happened to them? And I realized they never went anywhere. I did. And... <laughs> so, yeah, like there's a couple albums. Like I remember like my freshman year of high school, I like the same year I bought like Corn, Limp Biscuit, and Kid Rock. It was like that angry 15-year-old dude sort of rock. And then, you know, I just kind of got out of it. And then I got like into the Beatles and shit. And now I, don't even, I just listen to fucking – I don't even know what I was. I was to Jimmy Buffett now. Now I've become like, well, an old man. What happened is you got laid and got a job. So, <laughs> like, your priorities changed. <laughs> That's true, man. How's the marriage, by the way? She says she's a sweetheart. Well, I'm still married, so call it a streak now. Uh, I yeah. can't believe that I was able to sell that. You know, it's. I always tell everybody you can always tell when you know that you see a big old fat guy and, and a pretty attractive lady on his arm. That dude can sell, and, and there's never more evidence of my salesmanship than Mrs. Thompson. No, oh, I, I, I I believe the same thing about the future Mrs. St. Germain. Um, did you ask for Rick's hand in marriage? Like, how did that work, her hand in marriage? Did you ask for marriage? Yeah, I, I really did. It was it was wild because that day we were uh, on vacation. We always do a vacation between, like, Christmas, New Year's, whatever, and then come back, you know, sometime a few days after the first of the year. But that's like our thing. And so we did that that year somewhere in Mexico. I forget. But we did a lot of day drinking, as you do when you're in Mexico on vacation. Especially and, with Ric Flair. Sure. So we had a, uh, a dinner lined up on the beach that she didn't know about. She just knew we had a dinner reservation. So I wake up in a panic because I realize, oh, gosh, we've overslept with all of our day drinking and our, 
or nap that immediately follows the day drinking. Right. And my phone was dead, so I couldn't call and ask Rick on my phone. So for the first time ever, I had to say, hey, let me use your phone. And that's the first time in the history of our relationship I've ever had to say, let me use your phone. So I called and asked her dad right before, but I knew if I did it beforehand, like, let me just tell you right now, he was always the link to the observer or the torch 100% of the time <laughs> because he can't keep a secret. And I knew that. So I knew if I told him like, you know, a month out. And or you were pretty out, sure he was going to say yes. Oh, he started crying and said, let me talk to her. I said, well, she doesn't know yet. And he's like, what do you mean? I said, well, I called to ask you first. And he said, okay, well, call me right back. And so he was super excited. And, and yeah, he didn't he, break it. He didn't break the news. No, but he didn't have a chance because I immediately took her phone and, and you know, just had it with me, and then we left. So, wow, that's beautiful. Uh, but, man. yeah, we, we called after, and by that point, everybody in her family knew he had already made the rounds, and everybody was happy. When does that guy not cry? I mean, that guy cries at a drop of a dime. Yeah, uh, he probably doesn't cry. It probably works the opposite for us. Mm-hmm. Like He probably didn't cry at the end of Old Yeller, right? He probably didn't <laughs> cry. <laughs> But was he crying during the ceremony? Oh, gosh. Waterworks. <laughs> How many wrestlers Walking were at the ceremony? Uh, as far as wrestling personalities, personalities Michael Hayes, just... Bruce Pritchard. Uh, I guess you would count David Flair. Yeah. And, of course, Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, that, yeah, that's it. V- open bar? Oh, of course. Of course. <laughs> Michael Hayes at an open bar, man. I mean, the stories that Pritchard tells. I, I'll tell you what, Michael was the first person out that night. He was on his best behavior. He really? I guess he knew. Yeah, he knew. He knows when there's a time to party and when there's not, and he decided that was not the night. So he respectfully bowed out pretty early. But every time I see him, like a, suit. oh yeah, every time I see him, he looks like the ghost of a New Orleans jazz musician. You know, he oh looks my like, god, he, like he died in some like swamp boat accident and now like haunts the bayou. It's the that is that is the best most apt description of Michael Hayes there ever was, and he kind of talks like that too. You're like, what, what, what kind of riddles has this guy uh, got up his sleeves? Um, That's exactly right. I love it. So I'm going to ask a bunch of fanboy questions, which I usually Shoot. I usually never fucking do. So out of uh, out of Bischoff, Pritchard, and Tony, who's the easiest to work with? I'm going to guess Tony, but that's just shot in the dark. They're all really really easy to work with, you know, as far as accommodating my schedule i think they all know that i'm probably stretching it too thin and burning it at both ends and all the other cliches so they're all very very gracious with me in that regard um bruce and tony are certainly the easiest to do a show with uh mm-hmm. just because eric um doesn't skew towards comedy as much as the others do and great bruce, guy by the way like him and both jeff jarrett like when i met them at starcast they were like the fucking coolest Everybody was cool. Brutus, I don't think, knew where he was, but everybody was cool. Yeah, I agree with that. I think Eric and uh, especially Jeff probably get a bad rap, and then you meet them, and you're like, I don't see what there is to hate. But then again, we weren't working with them. They weren't cutting our checks, et cetera, et cetera. Right, so exactly. I, I get how the, the boss dynamic changes everything. But Did Brutus have, did, did have any idea where he was that entire weekend? <laughs> Uh, I'm pretty sure, but let me just say he 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 he's definitely had a lot of fun in his life. Uh, or we need to get in Chris Nowinski's number. I'm not sure. <laughs> oh man! So now you're doing now you're you're part of you're part of this man. This is fucking crazy. You're part of the biggest 
I mean, how? What's your involvement with AEW right now? I don't have one. You know, I know that sounds crazy. But you did that press had... conference, so or, or, was that just like a one-off sort of situation? Well, maybe a two-off. You know, I did a the one off. in Jacksonville, and then I did the one in Las Vegas. But like, I don't have a contract. I don't have a title. I don't have an email address or business cards. Would you? Tony's do... just my my buddy in real life, and and he asked me to do it, and. You know, a lot of people say, oh, that means Conrad's going to be the voice of AEW. No, I'm not. You know, I've never done commentary. I've never. Yeah, but you should. Play, you would be play. great. No, I would be terrible. You, you know, think I have so? no experience at it, and there's so many other really well, talented y- people. I'm sure there are, but if, 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 they put, if they put you as the third, if they put you as the third mic, I think you'd be terrific. I'm not saying that I wouldn't have fun doing it. I'm just right. saying there are, much, there are way more deserving people, and, and I, I can't even remotely suggest that I would be good at it. And I'll tell you this, it's a really shitty job because oh, it's a terrible you job. appreciate that. You My- know, if, if, if it's going well, nobody notices that you're there, but if it's bad, it's all anybody talks about. Well, Michael Cole has the worst fucking job in the universe. Yes. You know, I mean, I can't imagine. Mike, I'd rather be... Hey, seriously, if you said tomorrow, hey, would you rather be like a union janitor or Michael Cole as far as like a job? I'd be like janitor in a second. Well, you know? I'm not going to go that far, but I'll <laughs> tell you this. If I was Michael Cole, I would I would make sure I could never access social media of any sort ever. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because people, I mean, people trash him all the fucking time. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I've seen very many positive things ever written about him. And and the thing to remember is none of that's even his fault. He's just you know, no. He's his job. he's he's in a hostage situation. That's exactly right. I was at a SummerSlam after party, like just at a bar with. I mean, do you know David Shoemaker and um, those guys from The Ringer? We were hanging out. Yeah. And, like Michael Cole just kind of walked in, went like walked around, went to the bathroom, and left in a tracksuit. <laughs> he was just like, "Yeah, I'm out." Um, I, I did, did, and I've talked about this on a podcast before. I did wrestling commentary for the first time in lost at lost in New York, Joey Janela's show. And, uh, I was, I was not good at it. I had a couple good lines, but I totally blew the spot. Uh, cause, uh, Sandman was, I mean, Sabu was supposed to be a big surprise and Sandman had just got on before I was doing commentary. So, um, I had said, you know, just to decide, if you want Sandman, he's over by the bar drinking because there's like it, we're the MLW. I don't know if you've been to Queens, uh, but where where they shoot the MLW shows, they've got a bar right on stage. But what I said was Sabu's at the bar, so I blew the fucking surprise. And like half of the people who run that event were like jugglers, so I started getting screamed at. And then like Joey was like, "Did you blow it?" And I'm like, oh, "I don't know." I was just... and I literally like grabbed all my shit and left out the back out of the side. And I was dressed like Paulie dangerously and hailed a cab because I was afraid I was going to get my ass kicked. Oh my god! Well, one and done. Exhibit A. As to why I will I'm not doing, be doing it. I d- I'm doing it a second time. I'm doing it in fucking New Jersey at WrestleMania week for some promotion. I forget. Well, I don't, I don't know. get stabbed if you can help it. I'm not going to get stabbed. I think it's a way. It, it's a it's a lower pressure situation. But I do kind of want to redeem myself and just be like mediocre. That's my big goal. So hopefully, I, mean, I love it. You know, hopefully, but it's it's a way harder job than. I mean, every every job wrestling is the fucking toughest job in the world. It really is. And I'm saying this is a stand up comic, and stand up comedy is a hard fucking job. So I, I can't imagine a job harder than stand up comedy. I, I, I mean, wrestler, wrestling man. Uh, no, wrestler, dude. I mean, I can I can be my own boss. You know, I mean, the thing is, is like the mo- the way I make most of my income is for writing on shows. 
and it's just it's just I just get way more money doing that than I would as a stand up, you know, because you know as far as like I'm not I'm not a head one, you know, like I I'm not like a guy like you know if you book me for the club, if you book Norm McDonald for a club, you know, he's gonna sell the room at, you know, I'm a guy who's got a lot of credits, I'm not gonna sell the room at, you know, so it's uh. But because of that, I can have a little bit more freedom when I do stand up. But uh, yeah, I, I still think wrestling is like the fucking hardest ever, and those guys never get the respect they deserve. And um, oh, hard to argue that the travel schedule alone is is enough to kill you. Is brutal, and you can't eat like shit. You know, like when I get on the road, you know, and I'll probably be, I'll probably have fucking diabetes. But you know, I can stop at an Aunt Annie's pretzel if I'm fucking depressed. You know, these right. guys can't do that shit. Right. So, of course, they get addicted to fucking everything under the sun. It's like, what else are you supposed to do? Are you getting sick of it, though? That, that, that's one thing I was wondering. Because, you know, I'm inundated by comedy, right? I've been doing it now for 12 and a half years. You know, I've been lucky enough. I've been able to work with some awesome people and done some fucking cool shit and, you know, kind of hit a lot of goals that I wanted to hit, you know? Like, and work the places that I wanted to work. But it's hard for me now. Like, I still have shows that I like, like Big Mouth and American Vandal. Um, and mom, I'll watch that when it's on, but it's, it's harder for me to watch comedy because it doesn't seem like much of a break for me. And, and I'm wondering because, and even doing this podcast, like I do one podcast, but there was a time where I was doing two, I was doing one for the ringer and this one and having to do two wrestling podcasts a week, I was getting fucking sick of wrestling. And, and, and I wonder, do you, do you have that struggle? I, I wouldn't say sick of it but i i will say that there are times where you just want to watch something else you just want to do something else i mean i still do that more than anything else but there are times where i'm like you know what let's just watch an old sopranos oh i've been doing that i'm i just finished the fifth season and i'm like midway through the sixth the show is unreal it is you know there's i don't think there's a show that's been better at portraying depression than the sopranos like tony you can see on his face the life he's lived the whole time no, you're exactly right. And for that matter, his mother. I mean, the early seasons with his mother. I yeah. mean, that's that's all it is. Depression. It's 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 the best show about depression. I'd say you know because me and my friend we always have like a debate like The Wire, Breaking Bad, or Sopranos. And I always think like, well, Breaking Bad's probably got the best story start to finish. The Wire has the best season, which is like the fourth season. But like moments and characters. I think The Sopranos. Like, I think Tony Soprano is probably the best character that's ever been on TV. For years and years, I thought the two best characters ever on TV were Ric Flair and Tony Soprano. Yeah. And uh turns out that Richard Fleer is a lot like Ric Flair, but I don't think James Gandolfini was very much like Tony Soprano. No, it's, it's interesting. The last show that I was um, I was, I was was uh, writing on, which is coming out this spring, Alternatino, I'm going to give it a plug on Comedy Central, but I was working with um, one of the guys who played uh, one of the FBI agents on – on the Sopranos, and I'm I'm balking at the name right now. He's the he's he's the FBI agent that was there most of the time, you know, and uh, and I was asking him about James Gandolfini, and the one thing he said, he's like, he's like, do you remember at the beginning of the sixth season after Junior shoots J- uh, James Gandolfini, and he's in the hotel and he's that businessman, like that's who James Gandolfini was, like David Chase was showing James Gandolfini through that character when he was in the dream in the beginning of the sixth season. Which I think is kind of cool. I'll have to go watch that again. Yeah, he's like, that's who James Gandolfini was, was was the character in the dream. This traveling businessman who was like wondering where he was, you know. 
I gotta check that out. And I was watching actually old sixty minute interviews with him, and he had this thing, and I don't know how we got into the Sopranos talk, but like he has he had this he had such like a survive like because you know in in stand up and maybe in wrestling too you have a lot of survivor's guilt like what well, I made it but this guy didn't make it, and he seemed like he had that as an actor big time, you know, where he's like. He just was kind of like, yeah, I'm a normal guy. I don't know how I, you know, I mean, it's crazy I got this. I take it very seriously, but, you know, I know this is a once-in-a-lifetime thing, you know. Um, but anyway, tragic that he's gone. Well, you know what's not a once-in-a-lifetime thing? Elimination Chamber this weekend. Where are you Yeah, at, there we go. <laughs> you are great. You're a better podcast host than me, Conrad. That's why I have a, a hundredth of your listeners. Well, I, I don't know I, about that. I, I love I love the new Daniel Bryan. I'm a I'm a oh. huge fan of it. You you don't like it? You're not into it? No, I love it. I think okay. it's the best thing on TV right now. Thank you, thank you. And I, I even think the belt looks awesome. Um, and it's a it's a fascinating it's a fascinating character because I agree with a lot of what he says, and he's still a heel, you know. Yeah, I mean, he's saying, like, good, positive stuff that everybody needs to hear, you know, that we should take better care of ourselves and the planet and blah, blah, blah. And wrestling fans being wrestling fans, we just want to shit on it. It's so great, you know. <laughs> when you think about, like, even the way they introduced Kurt Angle, like, you're going to be the all-American, you're going to be, you know, warm apple pie and, you know, the do-gooder, and you're going to teach, you know, principles and... You know, you're the Olympic gold medalist, you know, Mr. White Bait Babyface. And we hated it. Hated it. I and I remember I hated it when he came out and then once he once he got on the mic and started shitting on the crowd, I'm like, Oh, this character is awesome. Yep. This character's awesome. But I, I was supposed to hate him, but I didn't know that. And so now they get that with Daniel Bryan and he certainly gets it. But when I look at that match, you know, it does feel like I mean, to me, there's no way of taking it off Daniel Bryan. Wouldn't you agree? Well, no, I, I completely agree. But let's go from like the bottom of the card up. Um, Bobby Roode and Chad Gable are going to go against the Revival. Raw tag. I mean, I just don't give a shit about this match. I mean, I guess the Revival. They're going to put the title on them so that they don't go to AEW. I mean, that's that's all I can muster. I love up the for Revival, this. and I, and I hope the Revival get a shot with the. Uh, you know, a bit of a push. It's long overdue. I do too, but I just don't know how how they're. I just don't think that Raw is best served for what they do. What do you think they should go to SmackDown? I just don't know if SmackDown. I just don't think WWE is. I think NXT was an AEW and New Japan, or they're just they're just like an old school style of wrestling. That I mean, every time I mean, you look at like how the. You know, you look at when, like, uh, Tully and Arn or whatever went as the Brain Busters to WWF. They just weren't the same, right? I loved them in the WWF, but that's just me. But I get what you're saying. Them in New Japan would be badass. But I'm hopeful that, you know, maybe they can turn over a new leaf creatively and this is the start of something and the revival come away with the with the straps. I never never say never. I, th I think Chad Gable is one of the most underrated wrestlers ever. So, not ever. Yeah, but he's in I, that, I think in Chad Gable... Can you imagine if Chad Gable was challenging Jay White for the IWGP? Oh, my God. That would, that would be – I mean, the work rate would be tremendous. Outstanding. Unreal. Hope he gets a shot one day. Buddy Murphy versus Akira Tazawa. I hope I'm not butchering that name. Hey, you got to keep the title on Murphy. I think Murphy's a stud. I think he's been underutilized. I know he's got the belt right now, but I think he's bigger than that belt, and I hope that somebody up there sees it. 
I think the name maybe is what's holding him back at this point. I don't know of that many badass buddies, but <laughs> but Buddy Murphy as a live performer, I've seen him live twice, three times, and all three times when the match was over, I was like, damn, that dude's got it. So I hope that we see Buddy just steamroll Akira. Yeah, I, I'm I'm hoping for that too, and I hope they push him up. I mean. Uh, we had we had fantasy booked to WrestleMania 35. I would love to see a ladder match with both the U.S. title and the Intercontinental title hanging above the ring, you know. And then this way you can also set it up easy for a brand split and put him in that fucking match. Because if they're making Mustafa Ali a, a star, I think they could do it with Buddy Murphy. Hundred percent, I agree. Braun Strowman versus Baron Corbin. Well, if there is a merciful God, Braun Strowman just destroys him here and gives the fans what they want. I feel like Braun's probably lost a step or two lately. I think that this match is perfectly positioned to help him get it back. You know, you really want to get over with the crowd. Just destroy Baron Corbin, and man, you're their man. Yeah, I was just, I was wondering, like, how, if you if you were WWE creative right now, how would you get Braun's heat back? I think he's got to decapitate Baron Corbin live on paper. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, you know, man. I don't disagree with that. I, I think that would at least that would at least maybe give him a higher number. You know, I, 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 I do you think Baron Corbin's like a good heel, or do you think he's a terrible? He's an heel? excellent heel. No, I think he is tremendous, and I think that's what's lost on even a lot of smart fans. But yeah. they go on and on and on about how much they hate him, and it's like, well, mission accomplished. Yeah. Yeah, he's a big motherfucker, too. Like, I saw him at SummerSlam. I forget how big he was. Walking yeah, by. I mean, he really is, like, you know, a, a a sizable individual and somebody in real life who you could see, that guy would just get under my skin. And, and when you've got that type of heat, you know, you're, you're just naturally hateable. And I, I think he's perfectly positioned, but he's got so much heat. He's got go-away heat with some of the crowd. Yeah. Let's let Marion squash him, man. That's what they want. I mean, Baron just seems like the guy the frat has to apologize for, you know? That's like his character. Um, That's a great analogy. SmackDown Tag Team Champions, The Miz, and Shane McMahon versus The Usos. Who do you got? Who do you want to wanna see win? I think this is probably the sleeper match of the show because Shane always looks to pull out a big spot or two. Miz knows how to get heat and play to the crowd, be entertaining. And the Usos, I think, are criminally underrated. I know that there's a They're lot of so people great. who who think that they've just uh, you know underperformed, but they're doing what the what the creative says. And in a different setting, in a different environment, with a new coat of paint, the Usos would be the talk of the internet. And if they want to, they can really show that off here. So I'm hopeful that this is the sleeper match on the entire show. Yeah, I mean, you know, in a different world. You know, you take the Tongas out of New Japan and you, you you put them in there, and it's like they're kind of doing that gimmick, but in a WWE more PG friendly way. You know, not just because they're Samoan, but that you know that's sort of like fucking you know the USO Penitentiary, that tough, like almost like fucking like tough as nails sort of shit. I I, mean, I love them. Uh, Ronda Rousey, R- R- Rowdy, Ronda Rousey versus Ruby Riot. Yeah, this is going to be a, a tough match. I think Ronda has taken to this better than uh, most, but I still wonder what they're going to be able to do here. I would expect that they would try to keep it short. Uh, I think both of them know what they're doing, but with the story they're trying to tell, I think Ronda needs to bust off somebody here, and unfortunately, Ruby's in the way. 
I mean, I just don't understand. I mean, why they don't make her a full heel right now, right? I mean, does WWE know something we don't? Somebody made a good point that, like, when Vince dies, we're going to see all the stuff that Vince did well, and we didn't know that he did did them well. Um, I forget who made that. I, I forget who said that to me. But like, but I just don't. I just don't understand. Just make her a fucking super heel. Pair her with Heyman. I, you know, this is total effing Mark. So this is the most Markiest response to this. But she's incredible in the ring. Give her a good heel manager because you can't talk for shit. And you've got yourself like the next Brock Lesnar, right? I, I just don't understand. Well, I think people, the mainstream, want her to be a babyface. They want to cheer for her. Uh, so I think you've got to keep WrestleMania in mind with that because you need her to go out here and do these media appearances for WrestleMania as a good person and be nice and personable. And then you've got to have Becky Lynch come in behind her and do all the shit talk. So if you're going to do like any sort of WrestleMania media, you've got to have someone who mainstream non-wrestling fans who aren't way deep in the bubble can identify this is your American hero, this is your good girl, this is your you know Olympian, and this is this quote-unquote foreigner who's over here to bully her around. I, yeah. I got to say, Conrad, I, I, I got to disagree with you. I mean, UFC has made... A living off of fucking dickheads. Dana White's a giant heel. Like every even even Rhonda at the end of her UFC run, she was like basically doing fucking heel promos on her opponents. I'm, I'm not arguing any of that, but I'm saying none of their press junkets included them going to Good Morning America. That's true. And doing, and doing true. a cooking segment. Well, that's why you bring the New Day for that, you know? Yeah, but no, you know, if you could send the New Day or you could send Ronda Rousey, if I'm NBC, I want Ronda Rousey. That, I mean, that's that's true. Who do you think would be uh, the worst pick for Good Morning America out of everyone on the roster? Oh, man, that's a great question. Well, I know the most hilarious would be Billy Kay, just because she would just <laughs> be ridiculous. Nia Jax, maybe, just because she would injure everyone on the set. I don't know. <laughs> she, like, fucking breaks Hoda's face. Well, that's the Today yeah, Show. Well, actually, that might be great. Let's book Ryan Jacks. I'd like to see that. <laughs> uh, Bobby Lashley and his ass with Leo Rush versus Finn Balor. Who do you got? Who do you want to see? Oh, win? please, God, let Finn Balor win this. You know, when you see the odds stack like this, when it's a handicap match, you just automatically assume, oh, they're definitely going to have him overcome the odds. That's what I hope this sets up. I'd like to see. Yeah, I just. You know, they just want Bobby Lashley to work in some way, so because he has the best look ever. But I, you know, that sister's angle really fucked him up. That was one of the weirdest angles. I don't think I don't know if that won the Gooker Award last year for Wrestle Crap, but it sure as hell should have been up there. Um, I, you know, I just don't. Th- the guy just can't talk. You know, he's just not great. And it's great they've have Leo Rush with him, because I think he's that guy's phenomenal, but. I, I don't know, man. I, I just don't see it. Maybe you know. I know Vince is trying to get that Lashley Wesner match. I just don't know who wants to pay to watch that now. Yeah, I don't know. I, I like Bobby Lashley, but I agree with you. I'm not. I'm not seeing a lot of support for Bobby Lashley. So they need to maybe try something different with him. But you know, I don't know how you would book him too totally differently. I mean, you know, he's a good worker. You know, he has a great look. Obviously, they've paired him with a heater and Leo Rush. Now it's just a matter of giving it time, or maybe he needs the right opponent. They've given it time. I think that's one of the toughest things now is just, you think about WWE, 
And how many hours of content is that a week? That's at least too many, seven hours. Too many. At least seven hours, right? Because you've got. I mean, if we're not even counting, if you count main event, dude, I don't even know if they have main event anymore, but 205 Live, NXT, SmackDown, and Raw. So that's at least seven hours right there. And then you throw in the pay-per-views that are now all five hours each. It's it's kind of like you have to have this. It's really hard to do a slow build. The best slow build they had was by accident because Becky got injured. I mean, if, if Imagine how less interesting WrestleMania would have been if we had seen Becky Lynch in a Survivor Series match. You know, obviously you're partial to this, and you want you want a triple threat match with Charlotte, Becky, and sure, Wanda. absolutely. Um, you think that that would make the match better? No, I mean you know the story. I mean clearly yeah. everybody knows the story. The story is, you know, that Becky is is not going to be cleared to wrestle, and they're not going to give her the match. And then you know Charlotte is going to be the authorities' pick to make sure that the WrestleMania match. The WrestleMania main event happens because this event is too big, and you know we'll see how it goes, Becky. But you're not cleared, so you missed your opportunity. And then, of course, a series of events happen, and magically, Becky overcomes all odds, and she is cleared, and she gets her hero's moment where she overcomes the best friend who she felt like stole her spotlight for years and years, and finally delivered Ronda her first loss and became the world champion in the main event against all odds. Is Becky the new Stone Cold, or do you think that moniker has been thrown about too hastily? You know, I think Becky, uh, I mean, define Stone Cold. To me, you know, Stone Cold was we're sold out every night, we're setting right. merchandise records. You know, we can't. The, the product is so hot, everybody wants him. You know, we, he's on the cover of TV Guide, blah, blah, blah. That hasn't happened yet. Now, her her swagger, yeah, she's she's got a stone cold swagger, but her effect on the business isn't there yet. But again, I think I think we need time. I think people assume that Stone Cold was Stone Cold overnight. That's not the case. Stone Cold was strutting around in the summer of '96, and it wasn't until you know March of '98 that he won the belt. And then the summer of '98 is when they started to get really really hot like crazy hot, and then obviously all the way through 99, they were just rolling. So I'm saying all that to say, give this Becky Lynch character time, and she might grow into being what Stone Cold became. Is this 96, early 97 Stone Cold we're seeing? I sure hope so, because she's got the hot hand right now, no question. Yeah, I do too. I mean, she's the most over anybody's been since Daniel Bryan, you know, during WrestleMania 30. I don't think anyone could argue that. Um I think she's incredible. Uh, I I just don't think you know the business in general and entertainment business. You know, every every year, TV in general is losing ten percent of ratings every fucking year. So it's it, it's across the board. This isn't a WWE problem. That's why, like, you know, like I, I always laugh at like wrestle you know message boards and shit like that that are like, oh, WWE keeps losing ratings. And I was like, yeah, everybody's losing ratings because there's more options than there ever were before and now there's ufc so there's i mean there's there's no nobody's going to pull in seinfeld numbers anymore nobody's going to pull in raw numbers anymore we're just at a different time i agree you know so we we have to be you know judging the metric by and and they're they're globalizing so they 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 know what they're doing um women's tag team championship Nia Jax and Tamina versus the riot squad Versus uh, Mandy Rose and Sonya versus the Iconics versus Sasha Banks and Bailey 
first name Naomi and Carmel. I will say, guys, we're doing these predictions without uh, checking in with uh, this week's episode of Raw and this week's episode of SmackDown. So if we're off on that, I apologize. We just recorded this earlier. Well, I mean, I think the obvious answer is everybody's talking about Bailey and Sasha Banks, so that should probably be it. But if it means that we got more Mandy Rose on TV, I'm going with that one. I think, yeah, I think it's going to be Mandy Rose and Sonya. I don't know why. I just think that they're going to, and then maybe they have Sasha and Bailey go over at Mania. But that'd be fun. I could go with that. I think Mandy Rose and Sony are a good tag team. Yeah, I really don't have too many dogs in that fight. I gotta be honest with you. I uh, I definitely want Daniel Bryan to win our main event. It's WWE Championship, Elimination Chamber. Daniel Bryan versus AJ Styles versus Randy Orton versus Samoa Joe versus Jeff Hardy versus Mustafa Ali. We touched upon the incredible run Daniel Bryan is having as a heel. I don't know if there's anybody on the planet. And I'm not talking about in-ring, because I don't think Daniel Bryan's the best in-ring wrestler that we have today. But as far as if you take everything as far as a pro wrestling mind, I, I, th- I think I may even out, outrank him than Kenny Omega. You know, like, if you look at the full package of who's the best at professional wrestling in almost every single facet, I don't know who beats Daniel Bryan. He makes every fucking thing they give him work. It's insane. Well, here's another answer for you that's not going to be real popular, but, you know, when you when you say, I'm not going to say in ring, but just everything, Chris Jericho's got to be near the top of the list. Like, I don't know how that dude does it. He's the Madonna of pro wrestling. I'm sorry, just one second. Alex, are we okay? Are we good? Okay, cool. Let's, we'll edit out me asking you again. Yeah, I mean, Chris Jericho's incredible, but I almost like look at Chris Jericho like I would at Tom Waits or like, Somebody who could go across a bunch of different mediums. I just, I you know, I just haven't seen Chris Jericho have the face run that Daniel Bryan has had. I guess that that's where I hesitate. I don't know. If oh, he's don't ever get me great. wrong. Daniel Bryan has been my favorite wrestler since two thousand four. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I saw him have a match um, years ago for Ring of Honor. It was called Main Event Spectacles. It was him versus AJ Styles. I think they were somewhere in New Jersey, and the match was so good that. Uh, they actually laid out on commentary. Gabe and Doug just laid out on commentary. And then that match just told a story like no other. And right then I was like, these are the two best wrestlers in the world. They're my favorite wrestlers. And of course, you know, lots happened since then, but I still think, you know, when it's all said and done, people who are really critical of wrestling, they'll talk about Daniel Bryan the way they talk about a Ricky Steamboat or Shawn Michaels or a Ric Flair. And maybe, you know, prior, he hasn't been the absolute strongest promo, but now we're seeing this totally different facet. We saw the the big baby face run that everybody remembers from WrestleMania 30, and what a story, nobody's got one like it. Well, if this is the way he's going to tap into that sort of heel evil side, I think he's going to be slated as being one of the handful. People talk about Rick and Sean like they're 1A and 1B, Daniel Bryan could be one C when it's all said and done. Yeah, I, I, I can't. I and, and who do you have him go up against at Mania? That's my question. I don't know, man. I'm glad I'm not booking it. It feels like everybody's sort of frustrated with what the potential WrestleMania card could be, and uh, I don't know. I can't call it. it. It would be really, really hard for me to 
you know, try to put together this year's WrestleMania. I'm just as interested in it as everybody else says. I think I've got the women's match figured out. I sort of laid that out, but I don't know what anybody else does. Yeah, I mean, the the one fantasy booking I had idea I had is that like you reform the Wyatt family around Daniel Bryan, and they become kind of these crazy Greenpeace activists, kind of what they're doing with Rowan right now, and then that's an easy slot for Daniel Bryan to go up against Braun, you know, have him switch brands. But, you know, the match everybody wants to see is Michaels versus Bryan. Everyone wants well, to see the teacher, the teacher versus the student, you know. I don't know if that's going to happen, but if it does, the internet will melt. <laughs> well, dude, um, thanks so much um, for doing this. If you had to, if 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 you had to, if you had to say like right now, what if if you were if you were booking WWE right now, what do you think is the number one thing that they're lacking, opposed to some of the other companies that are out there, or like what would help them? Kind of get to. I don't know what the. I, I, I. Like I said before, I don't think that there's a way for them to go to the Attitude Era, but I guess get more viewers back in your mind. Uh, being the elite, I know that sounds funny, but you know the reason uh, those guys sold that venue out, they sold that MGM Grand Garden so quickly, and nobody talks about it enough as being the elite. And the reason that show works is there's no scripting. You know, I've been there when they sort of say, "Hey, what about this?" And then another guy says, oh, it would be good if we could. And literally, in the course of two minutes, they put together something that's hilarious that everybody wants to watch immediately, that becomes viral T-shirts. And these guys know their character. You know, it's unlike the other mediums where you need a writer. I don't think you have to have as many writers. As a writer, I don't think you need a writer, although I would love to be. If you want to talk about a dream job, I I, I think working for WWE would be a a nightmare. I interviewed when I was like two years in a comedy and bombed it. But like, um, but God, I would love to work as a writer, man. I I would love to work for AEW. Like, and not even as a writer, but it's just like, but I don't think that, I don't think, you know, I don't think that they're going to ever go that route. No, I don't think they will either. But I mean, I think you do need somebody just to make sure that Hey, let's think about, you know, the story we're telling eight weeks from now and work backwards. So maybe you've got one guy sort of overseeing the direction for each show. Right. Or was somebody brainstorming like, in the room and being like, oh, have you guys thought about this? You know, right? Yes. Like, I, that, that, man, if I could lobby AEW, if you guys need somebody to just be in the room, not even scripted, to just be like, how about this? I'm your guy, man. I'll work well, for I less think, money than anybody. I think <laughs> when it comes uh, to wrestling, other things in comedy, I won't. But with wrestling, I will. I think that's the move, man. I think that's <laughs> what, what 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 WWE could do differently is script less. Let the guys be the guys. They know their character and their storyline and how they need to get there. And maybe maybe you know what we're seeing with AEW will will invite some of that, and there'll be some of those opportunities. Well, that's terrific, man. Um, do you have anything? You, well, of course, you have stuff to promote. But uh, would you would you like to promote some stuff right now? Well, StarCast, man, it's the wrestling convention of a lifetime. It's a who's who. It's even bigger than the first one. It was so much uh, fun I, when I did it last year. So much fun. Well, I can't reveal all the secrets just yet, but let me just say everybody's going to be talking about it. It is going to be the place to be. Tickets go on sale this Friday at StarCast.com, S-T-A-R-R-C-A-S-T.com. Two dozen live shows, uh, plus meet and greets with every wrestler you ever wanted to meet. And I mean it. S-T-A-R-R-C-A-S-T dot com this Friday at noon. And I got a, I got a text, I got a text from Conrad. Just, I don't even know what's going on. He said, you want to be part of StarCast too? I said, yes. I don't even know what I'm going to be a part of. 
But well, I got I got plans. You're gonna you're gonna like the plans. I'll tell you that. If I if I have to be fucking Scott Hall's sober companion, I'm I'm not doing it. Well, you're in luck. That's not the idea. Okay. All right. All right. Well, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, Conrad, thank you so much for doing it. Everybody here, rate and subscribe to the podcast. Uh, and like I said before, um, you know, I'm talking to the Johnny Carson of pro wrestling right now. I went, I went Walter Cronkite to Johnny Carson. I'm giving you every, every superlative I can, Conrad. So well, it's, uh, I appreciate it's, that. I'll, I'll it's been a thrill to talk to you. And uh, thank you for doing the show, man. Hey, man. Thank you. Take care.